podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Insight Cricket. Two days have gone in the Barbados Test match now, and actually England have dominated both. 507 for nine declared England in their first inning. What a toss to win that has been for Joe Root. Of course, he capitalised brilliantly with 150. But today belonged to Ben Stokes, who really took the game by the scruff of the neck and dragged it into real life. Uh, Very exciting innings. And I think, Simon, a sign that... He's got his confidence back after a difficult Ashes when probably wasn't really ready. He now looks, and I thought there were signs actually with his bowling in Antigua that he was looking more like his old self. And definitely today, that was that was vintage Ben Stokes, wasn't it? Well, it's been quite a dull series so far. It's been so, you know it's been, it's been high moments and it's, it's sort of flatlined a little bit. But today, Stokes just took it up another level, or another couple of levels, actually. He just, yeah, took the game by the scruff of the neck and, and got England going, really, and got himself going as well. You, when you think of the way he's played recently, where he, he's given himself a lot of time and then more time, and then it seems a bit more time to get in. And eventually, just when you think he's getting in, playing one or two shots, he gets out. So he's been getting out in the 30s, say. And in, in Australia, he had one, one decent innings and then not a great deal. And the same happened in the first test. But today, he he did give himself a bit of time, but then, bang, into overdrive. And it was thrilling stuff. And he, was, he wasn't that far away uh, from a century before lunch. Uh, he hit Craig Brathwaite for two sixes after he got to his 100. And Brathwaite was bowling in the last over before lunch. And I was wondering whether he was tempted to try and hit him for two sixes to go to 100 before lunch. But he didn't. He actually... It just reined himself in and he had to wait and bide his time to, to get his 100. But there was that wonderful passage of play uh, between sort of 50 balls and between about sort of 80 balls that he faced where he was just magnificent. It was the, the Stokes that we remember, really. The Stokes of Cape Town. That incredible innings he played in that partnership of 399 with Johnny Bairstow. Mm. Do you know how many batsmen have made 100 in a, a session in Test cricket, or at least a hundred before lunch, actually, in Test cricket. Do you know how many have done that? Yeah, you know, the hundred before lunch is is the sort of big thing, isn't it? I mean, I, you know that that's the thing. You get a hundred before lunch, and that's what you threaten to do. No, I don't. I, what, you, you're going to tell me now? Well, I heard it was eighty four. Eighty four batsmen have done it, which really surprises me. Um, I, I know. Um, <laughs> I think the first person to do it was Victor Trumper. In 1902, in the great test match mm. uh, at Old Trafford, which was on a, a dodgy pitch, and Victor Trumper, the, many of you that have studied the history of the game will know that Victor Trumper had this huge kind of um, leap forward in, in his uh, front drive, his forward drive. He, he, had, he almost put his left foot st- pointing towards the sky as he leaped into action to play the drive. Um, actually, it used to be um, a sledge for batsmen when they tried to drive you on the up uh, and you kind of say, who do you think you are, Victor Trumper? It wasn't a particularly effective sledge. But anyway, um, it was one that we used to use occasionally back in the day. 
anyway, uh, it, 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 he was, one, I think, the first to do it. So it's actually quite a regular occurrence. And in a way now, I suppose probably more regular because of the, the tempo of the game and a lot of flat wickets around as well. Uh, I guess, you know, it probably has happened a, a, a bit more regularly. But Stokes didn't quite get there. But he sort of deserved to, really, because he just took the initiative. And actually, I mean, a couple of those shots off the left-arm spinner were semi-slogs or, you know, belonged in T20. But most of his shots were just authentic, you know, full range shots. I mean, almost a little bit of golf, bringing a little bit of a golf swing into the straight drive or the lofted drive. But otherwise, most of them pretty authentic, actually. I actually thought, just watching him early on, he looked in the mood because I mentioned that the fact that he's given himself some time and dug in at the start of his innings. He's actually been very defensive, but at the start of his innings today, he, he was reasonably defensive. He was quite watchful, but he actually played two or three drives that were just magnificent. And he thought, aye, aye, that, you know, we could be in for something special today. He, he timed the ball beautifully. There was one down the ground through mid-on, and there were two through the offside. In, in the early part of his innings. You know, and as I say, it wasn't spectacular at the start. It was 23 or 52 balls, which is, you know, solid, isn't it? And But, you know, he's been, of late, he's been sort of 10 off 55 balls. That that sort of innings he's been playing recently. But it was, but once he once he got himself in, he went, I, I made it, he scored 64 from 37 balls at one a part of his innings. It was it was thrilling stuff. And he took on Alzari Joseph. He took on the left armour, uh, Pamol and uh, he, he dominated uh, England's batting performance today, he dominated the partnership with Joe Root and 91 out of a stand of 129 with Root. It was it was scintillating batting. I, I, I just feared for West Indies actually if it, was, if it continued because uh, he hit Brathwaite for a couple of six and then he holed out to long off. It was a bit of a sort of tame end really to a, a fantastic innings. But in another three quarters of an hour of Stokes this afternoon and England, England would have been... 550, 600 over the hills and far away. But as it is, West Indies were sort of just able to to check it in time, check it in, in inverted commas, because England's still got 500. Another little uh, statistical anomaly today or uh, notable thing today was when Snoke was actually out. He was out to the slowest bowler in Test cricket, certainly I think since probably the Second World War, Craig Brathwaite, who has bowled a couple of deliveries at 41 miles an hour. In fact, the, the ball he was out to was a bit quicker because he sort of fired it in. But he has been bowling at 41 miles an hour. It's not the slowest ever ball in international cricket because I read about a New Zealand female bowler who, I think this year actually, bowled a 38 mile an hour delivery and I've seen it on video and it almost does go backwards. It, it sort of lands and the batsman sort of waiting for it to arrive and it almost stops on the pitch and then eventually gets down the other end and the batsman nearly mishits it for for, uh, for a catch. And it actually is funny, isn't it? That, this, that slowness of bowling is sometimes what you need against a big hitter like Stokes because he was just he decided that he was just going to hit everything from Craig Brathwaite, didn't he? And he hit two pretty good sixes and then a slightly quicker one, a bit flatter outside off, and the fun ended. It's it's just really hard. You you it's it's actually that 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 slowness of delivery sometimes is really hard to deal with for a, a modern Test player, a club player would sort of think, yeah, I could mm -hmm. handle that easy, you know, I could 
whack him over the fence. But players that mm. are conditioned to face 80 mile, 90 mile an hour bowling and spinners who bowl at 55 miles an hour, which would seem to a club player like a medium pacer, they do struggle with the ball really slow. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Brathwaite bowled one at 37.9 miles an hour today because there was one that came up on the on the t- television, 61 kph, and I've just put that into my Google Translate, and it's come up as 37.904 miles per hour. I mean, that is incredible, isn't it? At, at test level to bowl a delivery that's below 38 miles per hour as you say it's 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 unheard of really you you just don't you you think of a slow spinner being about 48 miles per hour you know that's that's a slow Mm. ball from a spinner isn't it 47 48 is a a really Mm. slow ball from a spinner but Brathwaite down at under 40 miles per hour and actually I I thought yeah he couldn't resist it Stokes I thought he 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 could have just I mean, it, it looked like downtime time against uh, Brathwaite, uh, but he just miscued one to, to long off. He hit him for those couple of sixes. And, uh, you know, it was a bit of an anticlimax, actually, for the crowd because Stokes had pl- he'd played that really in, in that really aggressive way. And then he's sort of gone into his shell before he got before lunch and then before he got to his hundred and then after his hundred a bit. And then he then it was like time to go. And just when you thought, right, yeah, 180, 200 is a possibility here if West Indies don't get him out, he hold out to, to long off. And it, it was a bit of a stutter, actually, from England in their innings when they lost those three wickets, Root, Bairstow and Stokes. And I thought West Indies got their tactics really, really wrong because they, they had England six down and then Brathwaite continued and Pamal was bowling at the other end and England just sort of picked up 50 easy runs. There was no pressure on... Uh, Wokes and folks, and the only thing I can think of, yards, well, two things I can think of. One is their overrate was down, West Indies, and they lost uh, two points for slow overrate in the last Test match. And and the other thing is, well, their their pace bowlers were were, were tired. Um, That's the only two things I could think of. But I thought surely it should have been Permal at one end and rotating the pace bowler or a pace bowler at the other end. It just seemed really strange tactics and Craig Brathwaite. I know he just got Stokes out, but it was just so easy. It was like watching an exhibition match. Yeah, benefit game. Yeah, I agree. And uh, just a couple of things just to say about Stokes's innings, actually. Firstly, I, I like I liked his uh, celebration, his 100 celebration, uh, in deference to his late father with the four-fingered salute, you know, bending over his the middle finger of his left hand in uh, homage to his father, who, of course, had it cut off in his rugby career to manage to, to try to sustain it. Uh, and and it, it actually just showed how much... Jed, his dad, means to him too, doesn't it? That that he he you know it's in his mind all the time. Actually, the the, the impact his father had on his life, and also um, I suppose the other thing is people have said, oh, you know, Stokes has only got an average of thirty six in Test cricket, and why isn't it higher? Well, one of the reasons it's is not higher is because he he does play totally for the team, and when he does get past a hundred, with the exception of that. Fantastic, two hundred and fifty in Cape Town. You know, they, they tend to be low hundred scores because he just goes for it, doesn't he? Afterwards, he doesn't care about batting a long time. He tries to do the best for the team and takes risks. And inevitably, with the field back, he, he, he gets out rather than climbing into a big hundred, a daddy hundred like Joe Root does. And that that actually is the thing that gets your average high. 
Yeah, you're right. But the other thing, of course, as well, is he bowls a lot. You know, he's taken 170 test match wickets as well. And the mark of a top-class all-rounder is a player who has a batting average higher than a bowling average. And Ben Stokes does have a batting average higher than his bowling average. Just. Uh, yeah, well, well, coming into this test match, he averaged 35.88 with the bat. And he averages he averages thirty two point one five with the ball. So actually, that's that's three points. It's not it's higher. not Garfield Sobers, is it? Garfield Sobers is fifty seven no. and thirty four. No, you're 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 right about that. Um, but at the moment, Ben Stokes has a higher bowling average than than Garfield Sobers. But you're right, um, Gary Sobers, you know, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, uh, batting average. Average watching fifty seven. I know fifty seven. And, 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 and two hundred and thirty-five test wickets yeah, is incredible, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He, well, he was he was watching on today, and I'm sure he would have enjoyed yeah. uh, Ben Stokes's innings. He really, would actually. He yeah. really would have enjoyed Ben yeah. Stokes because he loves players who who take the go, you know, have a go, and and obviously have talent. And he, yeah, he would have really loved it. So he loves batsmen who who don't use their pad. Actually, I remember when Lara went past the three seven three three six five. That there was obviously his record, and one of the things he lo- he said about Lara is he doesn't. Get his pad in the way of the ball. He 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 plays the ball with his bat, and that's how you score runs. And Stokes is the same, isn't he? He puts bat to ball, and he moves around the crease, and he puts the bowlers under pressure. And when he's in in this sort of mood, he's unbowlable too. Mm. We've been chatting away for nearly quarter of an hour, yours, and we haven't mentioned a bloke who made 153 today. We or... have briefly. I mean, he was the star yesterday, wasn't he? And and he, he just his his progress is inexorable. You know, it's it's he's remarkable, Joe Ruiz. He looks disappointed. He got out for 153 today, batted 300 odd balls. He'd been in there for I don't know seven hours or something. He looked he looked disappointed. How can you be disappointed with 153? Hmm. Well, he, he was at LBW to Roach. He was given not out to start with. I think he thought he was going over the top. I, I, do you he, know, did. I, he did. He made the gesture, didn't he? But yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that I was go back to that 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 um, thing I was talking about in the last test match. When you're sitting watching it on your television screen, you you are the umpire. So do you raise your finger and give it out, or do you say not out? And as I watched that, I thought, oh, that's out. Just, you know, you instinctively just raise your finger. Yeah, as, I did. Sit, sitting in front of your television, and I couldn't believe it when the umpire gave it not out. And and, and nor, nor could what uh, the ma- what do the neighbours well. think make of you um, when they. They walk past your front room. <laughs> well, you, well, I'm hoping they're not looking in. We don't have nosy neighbours around by us, uh, yours. Uh, so it's only kneeling that that happens. Um, you're not a you're anyway, not just, a net curtains person, are you? No, no, no. I don't. Have, I don't have net curtains. I don't think my wife would put up with net curtains. So, uh, so <laughs> anyway, it was plum, wasn't it? It was absolutely plum. And 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 Kimar rightly rewarded by the the decision uh, review uh, system. And England going on to make five hundred and seven for nine. Declared they might have got a few more than that. They might have got a few fewer actually. If um, if, if Brathwaite had tried the squeeze when they lost that sixth wicket when Stokes was caught at long off, but he he released the pressures. I was saying England got up to five hundred. They fritted a few wickets away in the assault for for quick runs towards the end. But you know it's a, it's a great sort of base, isn't it? Actually, you know, Austra- Austra- I think it was Australia made five hundred and eight against Pakistan in that. Uh, first innings of the Karachi Test, England responded with 507 uh, today. So it's a, you know, it's a good benchmark. Very, you know, it's a it's a lot in the bank for West Indies to come out and, and deal with when it was their time to bat. And we'll have a look at uh, West Indies innings after the break. 
So West Indies had basically just under a session to bat before the close of play. Uh, tied legs inevitably after being in the field for a long time. Five sessions, a bit more than five sessions. But actually, overall, I think they'd be pretty happy with their position at the close of play. They only, they've only lost the one wicket, 71 for one. There are a few uh, squeaks along the way, which we, we can talk about. Uh, we talked about some umpiring decisions uh, before the break. and We'll talk about another one in, in just a moment, or two more in just a moment. But we need to start, Yoz, with Matt Fisher. First ball in test cricket, hit for four. Second ball in test cricket, a wicket. How long did it take you to get your first first-class wicket? About three overs, but uh, that doesn't uh, include the fact that I had to wait two and a half days before I knew I was actually playing in the match because, a bizarre story, but it was a match against Kent, Middlesex-Kent at Lords, starting on a Saturday, and the Saturday was just a torrential downpour all day. It was like the monsoon had arrived. There was a lake in front of the mound stand. Never any chance of play. The only thing, the only activity on the outfield was ducks, you know, swimming around in this lake. So there was never any teams announced for the Saturday. Then then there was a Sunday league game, because in those days we played a three-day match, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, and a Sunday league game in the middle. So the Sunday league game I wasn't involved in. Uh, And Mm. then we got to Monday, and we batted. Middlesex won the toss and batted first and made about 240 for five or something and declared. And uh, so I was in the dressing room thinking I was 12th man because the team had not been announced. It just really had gone out with his opening partner. He put on a few runs. You know, they'd scored 240 anyway and then declared at four, four or five wickets down because it was a shortened game and we needed to get out there and field. And... Brearley then let's right lads, you know, ten minute change round out there. We'll try and get some early wickets. So he marched out and he looked at me in my trainers and a kind of you know not really looking that ready. And he said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Well, I'm getting ready to you know ferry on sweaters or whatever you need when you get out there." By the way, the umpires are are making their way out to the middle. He said, "Well, you better hurry up and get ready because you're playing." And that was the first I knew of it. <laughs> uh, so I quickly got my boots on, ran out. Uh, I don't think I opened the bowling, but I came on first change and got Neil Taylor of Kent, uh, the number three batsman out, in about my third over, LBW. So it was a weird one where I did have to wait too long for my wicket, but I did have to wait a long time to find out I was actually playing in the match. <laughs> Top-level professional sport, eh, folks? Matt, I wonder when Matt Fisher found out well, he would he, he would have found out the, the probably the morning of the game because Saki Mamu was going to play in place of Wood, and then yeah. Craig Overton overnight was ill, so he'd have probably found out on the morning of the game. So he wouldn't have had that time to be nervous overnight, sleepless night before the game. Of course, then he had to wait almost two days uh, to bowl his first ball in in Test cricket. I, I have to say, um, it wasn't a great shot really from John Campbell, was it? I mean, it was in the it was in the channel from. Uh, Matt Fisher and, and I don't know but perhaps the fact that Campbell hit the previous ball for four just made him play at that one when he wouldn't necessarily he didn't do a lot did it it was just across him it was in the channel it was a, it was a reasonable ball but it was it felt to me like a lot of batsman error yeah. really Campbell didn't need to play it he should have let it go sort of poking at it well I'd say a couple of things I'd say I mean firstly 
you know, they won't have seen no, him, no. really. They might have been able to do some homework, but not much because, you, you know, he was only announced on the morning of the game. So they might have had a chance, I suppose, to look at him overnight yesterday, perhaps. But there wouldn't have been much footage of him. And, and I think also it, it, they wouldn't have known exactly the, the, his pace and whether he swung it or not. And that line, the one that uh, Campbell got out to, that could easily have just swung in a bit. In fact, it didn't. It, it stayed on a sort of slant across him. But it was a good line. It was a, an inquiring line. One that, you know, if you, as you say, if you had hit before the, the ball before, you'd probably look to play. You know the pitch is pretty flat. You know that there's not many scouts out, so you get bad on ball, you might get another boundary and put that young bowler under pressure. So I can sort of see why he did play at it. But, you know, credit to the bowler. He found that decent line, which was... You know, that kind of an awkward line and not hitting the stumps, but in the business area and, and good pace, actually. A lovely rhythm in his in his action and his, his run up, I thought. Really good flow. And you can often tell, actually, when someone's got their, their timing right as a bowler because they're following through well down the pitch. And that shows they're bowling over the top of their front leg and their weight distribution from back foot to front foot. Uh, purchase is good because sometimes you see a bowler let go of the ball and he almost stops in his follow through which suggests he's almost released that on the back foot and then stopped soon after he's let go of it but Fisher's delivery and everything was really flowing and he followed through well up the pitch sort of four or five five or six paces up the pitch which showed he was getting his balance and and timing and transfer of weight really well and he got a bit of a bit of outswing Bowled a nice line and length, a reasonable pace. I reckon with a bit more confidence, he'll get a touch quicker. I thought it was an impressive start. Yeah, and he nearly got a second one as well. Very nearly got a second one. A low one to Crawley uh, in the slip cordon. And, well, it, 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 the umpires had a look at it. it. Sent it upstairs. And it was another one of those low catches. And I think the third umpire, he, he couldn't give it out. In, in Actually, when you saw it in... In fast motion, not you know normal speed. You thought, well, that that might have been out. Did Crawley get his fingers underneath it and sort of lift it up? But I, I, they're they're difficult ones, and I and I've sort of railed against it. Actually, I, I've seen catches that have been given not out when I thought, no, that's out because it what it what it did it banks in the end of the fingers of a fielder and then go up then goes up into the palm of the hand, and you see that happen quite a lot. And but the the third umpire all says, no, no, that's not out. That's banks. And what it, what in fact what it has done is it's, it's it's hit the end of the fingers and bounced up, but because it's very difficult on on TV with the, with the foreshortening uh, to show a fielder's fingers right underneath the ball on the ground, it just looks as though it's hit the ground. Then they, they give them not out, but this one was a bit different because it sort of seemed to sort of go in the fingers and sort of go down and then come back up again as he as he sort of lifted it up. So I I don't have any um, you know I think that was a perfectly fair and not out decision. And actually Crawley himself wasn't sure either. He said, look, I, I don't know. I'm, I think I might call that. I'm not sure. Uh, let's have a look. And I don't, you know, I don't think, England, well, they'd have been disappointed that it, it didn't quite uh, carry and he wasn't able to pull off the catch. But I don't think they were sort of, you know, chiacking um, at the fact that it was given not out. I think, you know, per, accept the umpire's decision on that one. There was another uh, umpiring decision um, where Brathwaite was given out LBW uh, to Jack Leach and it didn't even hit the pad. It hit the outside edge of the bat. I mean, it was a, it was a really strange one. It happened so quickly and it was one that kept low, which actually Leach won't mind too much and England won't mind too much. The ball kept low. 
turned a fraction and Brathwaite was squared up by it and he, he nicked it actually onto the pad of Ben Folkes from middle and off and it was it, it, actually it wasn't at LBW but actually it was a it was probably a really difficult catch for the wicketkeeper although you're probably coming up aren't you and Ben Folkes was up he wasn't thinking about the catch he was appealing for LBW uh, behind the stumps it's amazing isn't it how you know, it didn't even hit the pad and both all the close catches wicketkeeper and the bowler and the umpire were completely fooled and it didn't hit the pad at all and the one person, of course, who knew it was not out was Brathwaite, who reviewed it straight away. And thank God for reviews, really, because the uh, the umpires haven't been mm. great, actually, in these two tests. I, I thought that route LBW that wasn't given out, which obviously was overturned, well, that was a blatant error. You know, I mean, how can you not? <laughs> you, you, in a way, mm. you've got to show a bit of sympathy for the bowler on, on these sort of flat tracks and batsman's on 150 and he misses a straight one. And you, you've got to kind of think, well, look, I'm, I've got I've got to give the bowler a, a bit of a credit here. And even if it's clipping, I think he deserves a wicket. I'm giving it out. I, I suppose that is from a bowler's perspective. But I, yes, thought, that I, was a bad, so. I thought that was a bad error by the yeah. umpire not giving that. It was absolutely plum. And so it proved. So thank, yeah. God, well, for, thank God for DRS, really. Yeah, absolutely. But it's weird, though, isn't it, that the close catchers and folks, you know, behind the stumps, you know, was appealing for LBW when actually it was, in theory, a, a low catch. But, I mean, I, they're almost impossible for a keeper to stay that low, actually, in a situation like that. But just let, let's just finish up then, Yoz. Um, the ball did turn today. Permal got one to spit. Um, during England's innings, turn and bounce, and in Antigua there was a bit of turn, but it was slow and it was it was, you know, it was almost in slow motion. Here there is a bit of there is a bit of grip, isn't there? And t- turn and bounce, it's quicker here. So mm. how encouraging is that uh, for England? How much pressure does that put on Jack Leach? I, I think it does put quite a lot of pressure on him. Actually, I, I think that's a good way of looking at it. And left arm spinners notoriously are not very good at dealing with pressure. I know that sounds like a gross generalisation, but it has been a, a bit of a, a thread in, in cricket that left-arm spinners often do buckle. I mean, actually, Phil Tufnell, you know, he was much better bowler when it was a flat pitch because, A, he was actually an artist and he could, you know, have the ball on a, on a string and sort of drag it slightly back and make the bowler, the batsman, think it was uh, uh, fuller than it actually was. He was a, a clever bowler like that. But also... He knew he wasn't as much under pressure to take wickets on a flat pitch and therefore he actually was more confident. Uh, mm. Whereas on a turning pitch where you're expected to take wickets, pressure's on. I, I just look at Leach and I just he doesn't look a relaxed character. He looks like someone who stresses about, you know, he fingers the ball rather uh, impatiently and rather stressfully at the start of his run. And that's a partly his habit, that's partly his routine. But to me, he doesn't look relaxed. And I, I quite liked it, actually, at the end when a couple of times Root and Stokes just got him to pause and they kind of moved the field around a bit. It was it was a phony kind of little uh, bit of a con to, to try and persuade the batsman he was going to bowl something different when he actually didn't. And that's the kind of thing I've been looking for, for, for Leach to do and initiate himself. Just, just shift the, the fielders around a bit. Move short leg to silly point. Move him back from silly point to short leg. Just keep the batsman thinking because he is accurate. He's not that threatening. He doesn't really spin the ball and he doesn't give it much actual flight. But he's got enough control to, to cause problems provided that he you know just relaxes and lets his body flow and 
and just bowls in a nice rhythm and does a little bit with the field. Just, you know, moves the fielders around, makes the batsman think he's going to do something different. Just uses a bit of imagination because the wickets are not going to just, he's not going to rip them, rip a glove off every ball or anything. But there's enough in there. There's enough in that pitch with men round the bat. And England have got the scope with the runs on the ball to have men round the bat for him to, to get a, a four foot or, or a five foot. I hope he does. Well, I think they call the third day moving day. I think England will be hoping to really move the game on tomorrow. They've only got the one wicket uh, so far. Can they really take a firm grip on the match and try to move towards victory on the third day? It's going to be a, a really crucial uh, day in the outcome of the game. If, if West Indies do struggle tomorrow, then England you know, will be... Taking the yeah, taking that firm grip on the game and, and potentially being a in a winning position. But if West Indies bat really well solidly through the third day, then it's going to be hard for England, and they'll have to really sort of make quick progress uh, as the game goes into the fourth and fifth day. So we'll see what happens. Uh, that's our review of the second day. We'll be back uh, with more after the third day, and we'll speak to you soon. Goodbye for now. <laughs> Podcast Network.